0: evening, let's give him a hand as he comes, might have to be a long hand, he's taking his, (laughs) keep going, keep going, I think he's just, (laughs) keep going, he's not here yet, keep going. (laughs) They've already taken off, that's good. Looks like Petra's looking after the sound if anything goes wrong, hey?
1: (laughs) It's not that hard, trust me, I do it. (laughs) Alrighty, how are we all tonight? Fantastic just put that down. All right, so tonight we're going to have a look at a verse of Scripture from Matthew 18, 28 to 30. So it's a fairly well-known verse and it goes something like this. Jesus is saying, come to me, all you are weary and burdened. Anybody feeling like that? All right, I was hoping for a little better reaction, but maybe you're all too weary, even get your hands up. Let's, I'm going to run with that. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Sounds all right. So tonight we're not going to cover all the burdens. I'm just going to cover one, which is the burden of expectation. You might think, how is that related to that scripture? But we'll get to that in a minute. But. Just going to pray first. Is that all right? Praying in church. Is that allowed? Pastor said yes. That's good. All righty. Dear God, we thank you that you are interested in us and you don't want us to be burdened down and heavy and laden and to struggle. And you want us to have rest in you. And you also want us to learn from you to be humble and gentle in spirit. So we just pray tonight as I preach that your words would resonate in our hearts and we would go away with a better understanding of how we can get rest from you, Father. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. So what is Jesus saying here? Is he saying that being a Christian is easy? No. Good. That's good. What are these burdens that Jesus was talking to? We're going to talk about the burden of expectation, but we'll just step back and we'll talk about the context a little bit. At the time there, when Jesus is talking to these people, the, the system of religion had bloated. It had got so huge. It started off with the law of Moses and Leviticus and all that sort of stuff, but then the Pharisees and that they added more and more laws onto it and it become a burden. It become something heavy. There was so much expectation around that. There were people in the temple who would watch you. Sorry. What was it on? My wife's telling me to hold the microphone a bit higher. <laughs> I thought she was just about to cough. <laughs> but now she's telling me to hold the microphone a bit higher. Is that better? Yeah. Fantastic. So the system of religion had become a burden to the Jewish people. It was heavy. It was weighty. It had made them weary. They were always trying to appease God. They had to bring sacrifices all the time. There were people in the temple who would watch them put their money in. There was all these things going on and it was just a burden. There was so much expectation. And here's Jesus that came along and went, you know what, this is not good enough. I've been sent here to give you guys a better way of doing things, to release you from this burden of expectation to take you away from this religiosity, this demonstration of works and things like that that these guys had to do. It was such an impossible task for these guys to live against that law and that they really struggled under the weight of that. So we're going to talk a little bit tonight about the burden of expectation. So we're going to talk about the context, but then we're going to extrapolate. Extrapolate's a great word for all us mathematicians. So that means what's happening over here, we can extend that somewhere else into a different region. So we're going to talk a bit about this verse in context. We're going to talk a lot about how to do this expectation or this burden of expectation in our relationships. All right. So there's going to be three points that come out of this verse in Matthew. But first, let's have a little bit of fun. Who likes these expectations versus reality memes? Yes. Who knows what a meme is? Yes. Yep. All right. Okay, so I fall asleep in public a little bit. And you might think it looks like on the left. You just fall asleep on the, on the bus, your hair's still immaculate. There's no drool coming out of the side of you. But in reality, who gets the ugly sleep on? eh? Hey? Fall asleep in the play,
0: like.
1: <laughs> Here's one I dragged up for my sons. What about with growing a mustache? Hey, you're thinking you're looking like Brad Pitt. But oh no, no, you don't look like Brad Pitt at all. What about when you get online, you're going, I'll do my own makeup. And you think, blue's the color of the, the rainbow, isn't it? Hey, there should be things in life which are blue, but not your eyeshadow. Or if it's gonna be blue, make it subtle. What about when you decide you're gonna lash out and get a new haircut? You're gonna get a bob. You think, like, I'll look like Katie Holmes. No, you look some like mid-century English prior. That's a good look too. I'm sure somebody loves him. What about if you take up a new sport like swimming? You think you're going to look like Michael Phelps, but no. You look like some pug which has fallen in a pool. So here we are, we've got all these expectations, but sometimes they don't really line up with our reality. We might have taken them down so we can focus back here. (laughs) All right, so we turn our attention back to Matthew 11, verse 28. If you could just put up the first slide there where it says, Jesus says, come to me, I will give you rest. So the first point I want to make tonight is about identifying where your rest is going to come from. So these poor Jewish people, they were looking at the temple system, they were looking at their, their high priests and their priests and all the other priests and the, and the whatever, and they were looking to them for their rest. They were looking for them for their redemption and sanctification and justification. And Jesus showed up and he went, No, come to me. I'm the one that's going to give you rest. He was just about to turn that whole system on its head. And do away with all that. Die on the cross and change the way that we know about salvation and redemption and justification. So he got up there and he waved his arms and went, come to me. Identify me. I'm the one that's going to give you rest. It was a pretty bold claim, but he was going to back it up. He was going to go up there and he was going to die on that cross. And he was going to turn that system around. He was going to release them from that burden. They weren't going to have to do their singing, dancing and all that sort of stuff in the temple. They were just going to have to do what Jesus said. That was believe in him, repent from the sin and trust that he had done what he said he had done. That was so much easier than what they had to do under the old system. And that's why Jesus said, come unto me. I'm going to give you rest. You're not going to find that rest in the temple system. So in a sense... He converted it from saying this weight of expectation which says, am I good enough? Have I done enough? Is my sacrifice worthy enough? And he changed it into this system where it says, you don't need to worry about that anymore. My sacrifice was good enough. What I did was good enough. And if you trust in that, then you'll have salvation. So in effect, he said it as, My righteousness that has made it obtainable for you. You don't need to have that burden anymore. That weight of expectation, it can be gone because it's what I did. So that's the context of the scripture. But let's just turn our attention a little bit to our relationships. In our relationships, we can set up those same sort of burdens of expectation. The system didn't always start out like that, but humans got involved. And humans got into positions of power and authority. They started to change things up and go, you know what? I like being in power. I don't want somebody else to come along and knock me out of power. So I'll put some rules and some more systems around that and make it more burdensome and more heavy. And we can get a bit like that in our own relationships. We can start to create some unrealistic expectations. Some burdening expectations. Sometimes as parents, we do that. Sometimes as partners, we do that. Sometimes as friends, we certainly do that. As bosses, we do that. On the flip side, we might be underneath one of those in a relationship where there's some burden come on, some expectation which is starting to bite. It's heavy. It's oppressive. So the point here is we need to find or identify that person or that individual that can either or is supplying that pressure or can give us the rest. If you're in a situation where, you know, let's just hypothetically speak, you're in a, in a relationship with a partner and you're feeling a bit of weight of expectation, it's no point going to your mother-in-law and whinging about it. Or your mother or your father, they're going to go, oh, yeah, come here, we'll pat you on the back and make you feel all nice. But that's not really going to give you rest in that situation, is it? If you're in a work situation and your boss is coming down on you a bit hard, like, oh, I'm going to go over and talk to my other colleagues about it, that's not really going to help. They're not the one that's going to supply you rest. Just like in this situation, going back to the temple time after time is not going to supply them with their rest. They had to come to Jesus. And in some of your situations, you need to find out that person who is going to help you find your rest. And it's probably that person who has that expectation set on you. And unfortunately, sometimes that might confirm the very expectation that they have of you. They think, oh, you're a bit weak. And you're going to come to them and go, oh man, I'm really struggling under this expectation that have you, you have of me. And in your mind you're going, that's just going to confirm exactly what they're thinking about me. We're going to deal with that a little bit, about how we can overcome that. But the first point here is around coming under Jesus or coming to that person. And sometimes maybe you've already been to that person and it's still a struggle. Like Anthony said this morning, you can go to God and talk to God about it. He's the one person you can talk to about it. Because he can change hearts. We can't really change hearts. But God can. So you go and pray to God about it. Don't go and winch to your mother Lord. Don't go and winch to your colleagues. All right. Cool. That's point one. It's a bit heavy, wasn't it? Just show the memes again. Make me laugh again. All right, good. I will. I'll put up another meme. All right, who's ever been to a barbecue and they say, what do you do for a job? Yeah, anyone done that? Yeah? Has everyone been able to have like a funny job that they have or a, a difficult to explain job? I'm a chemist, all right? There's probably a few people here know what a chemist does. Here at a barbecue trying to explain to people what a, what a chemist does. So this is what my family thinks I do, set things on fire playing around with bombs and chemicals and acids and fun stuff like that. It's what my mum thinks I'm doing, <laughs> you know, am my little bow tie and my lab coat, getting around. This is what society thinks I do, just have big 44-gallon drums of chemicals. Here's me, there's Einstein, this is what I think I do. I think I'm finding the next cure to cancer. The reality is I'm not really... What I'm actually doing is a whole mountain of paperwork. <laughs> doing risk assessments. <laughs> Getting a chemical approval to get on site. Can't be too dangerous because you don't want to hurt anybody. So can't do any really cool experiments anymore. So we've gone past this about identifying this person that can find our rest. The next thing that Jesus says is, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So taking my yoke upon yourself. So i put this little heading down, set down the old and take up the new. You know, it's physically impossible to attach two yoke to a single animal. Anyone seen the old style wooden yoke which goes over the two oxen? Yeah? You literally can't put two of them on the same animal. You've got to take one off before you can put the other one back on. And I think this is what Jesus was implying here. To put my or Jesus' yoke on, you need to take off the old yoke. So he was saying you need to take off that old system of religion that they had and they need to replace it with that new one. The two couldn't coexist. You couldn't be running around in the temple trying to do things based on works. And all at the same time over here, trusting that Jesus has died on the cross and released us from all of that. So hear me out here I'm not for a minute trying to say that we don't need to be good or holy that wasn't what Jesus was saying he was saying that I'm about to become the doorway into heaven and you know, not your sacrifices not the law of Moses Jesus was saying I'm about to be the pathway into heaven so that's the starting point so how you behave on that journey is a whole separate sort of thing and there's plenty of stuff in you know the letters to epistles from Paul to, to talk about that but we're just talking here about the expectation. So, in our relationship, we need to be able or prepared to set aside something old and take up something new. So, let's talk about our relationship with God. Anthony was talking really well this morning about faith. How God said it, we believe in it, end of story. That's great. You've probably heard sometime, you've been in churches long enough, you know, trust in God, he'll never let you down. Yeah? Something like that along the lines? Yeah? All right, that's good. But what if our expectation of God is wrong? God's not going to change just to fit into our expectation. I'll give you an example. My dad is suffering from a degenerative heart disease. Now I believe in divine healing and I'm, I'm praying and I'm trusting that he's going to get better. But if I believe that my dad's going to live forever, and I'm going to believe that God is going to somehow keep him alive supernaturally forever. I'm going to be disappointed in that because that's not scriptural. No one lives forever except for God himself. At some point we all die. So I've got to balance this tension about believing that my father's going to be well, but also with the understanding that at some point his body's sort of going to give up and he's going to go up to heaven. So I might have to take on something new in terms of my theology about how I deal with that divine healing aspect and the reality that at some point my dad's going to die. That's a little bit confronting for me. It's not something I've necessarily had to, to deal with before, something new that I'm going to have to take on. and you, know, you sort of have this expectation that, you know, your dad's strong, he's healthy, he's going, to, he's going to live forever, but that's not the case. So my theories are going to have to be laid down at some point, I'm going to have to take up some new understanding about that. So not only do we have to identify who's going to find our rest, but we also have to identify and, and, and line up, particularly with God, whether our expectations line up with his biblical promises because his promises never fail, right? So our expectations need to line up with his promises so that they never fail. If our expectations don't align, then she's going to be a bit of a lottery, I'm sorry, So let's talk a little bit more about our, our relationships here on earth. We can have both sides of that. We can be the one providing the expectation or we be the one that's sitting under that expectation. And when you're going into that relationship, are you prepared to lay some of that down? When Kate Lloyd first got married... We came into it with completely different expectations. We had our marriage counselling. They said, oh, you're going to have some problems in terms of, what was it, money and, and family, something like that. We went, oh, no, don't be silly. We're perfect. We're in complete <laughs> unison. We shall live happily ever after and birds shall sing. The sun will always be shining. And we've had to lay aside some things from time to time. Kate's had to lay aside some things. I've had to lay aside some things. I don't know whether it's even or even. doesn't matter. Because if we keep those expectations up, we create a burden for our partner. And that weight of expectation slowly wears them down and it can slowly crush them and crush your relationship. So I want to encourage you guys in your relationship, Be aware of those things which may create a burden on your partner, on your children. (laughs) I've been like a sports dad for quite a number of years. I've been a cricket dad, a soccer dad, a netball dad and I've seen lots of people on the sidelines yelling at their kids thinking they're the next Steve Waugh, the next Ronaldo, the next Laura Geitz and it's obvious to everyone but that parent that they're not going to make that and that poor kid is trying their best but they're not going to live up to their parents expectations and you need to understand parents what they can do to a child well let's just say now you're a mum and dad and your child has just had a baby and you want to tell them all your advice about how to parent and it's not working the same because all babies aren't the same I've had five, they're all different. You know, we had a Joel and then we had a Nick and we didn't know because they were so different. We tried all the things we tried with Joel and it wasn't working with Nick. You know, and parents get around and go, oh, well, you should just do this and you should just do that. And your friends turn up and go, oh, well, you know, you should put them to bed at four o'clock in the afternoon. And all of that can be a weight of expectation on people. So as much as you try and help, as much as you're trying to support and love, you need to be very careful that you're not adding those weight of expectations in. And sometimes you might need to put something down and pick up something new. So Anthony this morning was said it so well when, you know, you had the example about when he'd go to God and complain about his wife and God would just poke him about things in his own life. So there's a scripture in Ephesians 4:21 and 24. If you can just put that up, Petra. So, this is basically a parallel scripture here. So, but that isn't what you learned about Christ. Since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your sinful nature and your formal way of life, which is corrupted. By lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes and put on a new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So there's a spiritual context for that about putting off an old and putting on a new, something which is broken, insufficient, some old way of thinking, and putting on something new, which is better, which hasn't been corrupted which is more suitable, more purposeful. I like when the scripture says you cannot put new wine into an old wineskin, lest it split and it just spills out everywhere. So sometimes when we're going to pick up something new, we have to create a new part, like I was saying about my dad. it's going to have to be a new part of me that takes up that new concept and I integrate that into my life. Alright, right, so that's point number two. Point number one, you've got to find that person who's going to give you rest. Point number two was about putting down the old or being prepared to put down something old so that you can take up something new. Let go of something that you thought was dear to you. But maybe the person is more dear to you than that thing that you're holding on to. So I've got another meme there. Petra, if you just throw up the, the tree swing. So if you're ever involved in any sort of design project, so you go and talk to the customer and go, oh, what do you want, champ? He's like, oh, I want a tree swing. Oh, yeah, what's it look like? Oh, yeah. So right on the left there, this is what the customer described. I want some rope and a swing on it. So you go, yep, cool. We understand. We'll take it to our engineers. So... The second left picture there is how the engineer designed it. Yeah, beauty. She's all good. Then we uh, talked to our project manager, described the vision. He said, yeah, I'm loving it. Let's enhance it. Let's make it grander. Let's make it bigger. And then we give it to our programmers or our construction people and, and they build it. Looks subtly different. And then on the far right, left, right, your right, is actually what the customer wanted. So this is our, a bit of an example about how our expectation can be a bit different depending on who we're talking to. So our third point, if we just go back to that Scripture in Matthew, Jesus said, Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. At the heart of the issue in Jesus' day, like I said, there was a bunch of hierarchical and patriarchal rules. So hierarchical is, is basically structure. You have somebody at the top, a high priest, and then you have some more priests, and then you have people that serve in the temple, and then you have people that are allowed into the room, which is outside of that, and then some people are only allowed to walk up to the gate. Some of the lepers, they weren't even allowed in the town; They were actually have to stay outside. So there was this... This structure, there was this order. And then there was very much patriarchal. There was men and then there was women. Women weren't really allowed to do things in the church. Who's glad that we allow women to sing on stage, play the piano? Because otherwise it'd be me and Malcolm up there. (laughs) Hey. We'd, uh, we'd certainly need revival or maybe earmuffs, whichever one. <clears throat> so there was all these rules and basically they led to status and position. And those positions were based on sometimes on your family lineage, sometimes they were based on, you know, your gender. And often people abused those privileges. They got up into a position of power and they started to abuse those positions They made up silly rules or seemingly silly rules. You couldn't do this, you couldn't do that. You had to do this, you had to do that. They saw themselves as better than others and felt justified in their condemnation of those that were below them. You see that a lot in the scripture where people who may have been a little bit imperfection or had a slight imperfection and they got condemned based on that. They might have made a mistake. So they got thrown out of the system. There were people like Paul who went around and and crucified the Christians because they didn't fit into the mold. And they were abusing that power that they had sort of built around them. And Jesus said, No, that's not how we want the system to be. Jesus came to earth in part to provide us with a demonstration of how to live a life pleasing to God. And I'm so glad he used those two character traits about gentleness and humble of heart in relation to this whole thing about expectations and relationships. Jesus said he instructed us to follow his example and learn from him. So we have a look in Philippians 2, 5 to eight, if you can just put that up for us, Petra. It actually says this in this scripture. I'd never noticed this before. It says, In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ, who, being in very nature of God, did not consider equally with God something to be used to his own advantage. This is a complete contradiction to the rulers at the time who were definitely using it to their own advantage. They had positions of power. They had incredible wealth compared to the the rest of the people. They were using their position in the temple for their own purposes. But here's Jesus. He was equal with God, but he didn't consider it something to be used as his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human kindness. Can you imagine being God, having that much power, giving it all up and becoming a man? Just an ordinary man. Had to go about making tables and chairs and stuff for a living. Didn't have angels and whatever coming and bringing him stuff. He had to go and do it for himself. He humbled himself. Not only did he become a man, but he also was obedient unto death. Even a death the most humiliating on a cross. The Romans knew how to execute people and they did it in ways which just defied belief. So here's Jesus, who was completely at odds with the rulers of the time, who were definitely using their own advantage. They weren't humble. They were proud. They were proud to be Sadducees. They were proud to be Pharisees. They were proud about how much they knew about the Bible. They were proud about how many rules they'd made. And they were proud about the fact that they'd got all the riff raff out of the city. And here's Jesus showing up and going come to me, I will give you rest. Take on my yoke, learn from me. I'll teach you how to be gentle. I'll teach you how to be humble. I'll teach you how to live a life which is pleasing to God. Kate and I have just been to a netball carnival and the thing about this netball carnival is that actually asked the coaches and the managers to rate the umpires at the end of each game. And one particular game, I'm imagining it actually happened on a, a number of different games, but there was one particular game that, that we were involved in. And this team lost, and they were asked to raid the umpire. And they gave the umpire a one out of five. And that wasn't based on the whole game, because Kate and, and our coach were looking, at they going, they actually had a pretty good game. We're going to rate them a four out of five. But this other team felt justified for the couple of little mistakes that they made that they should deserve a one out of five for their performance. For the 10 or 20 seconds that was probably not up to their expectations as opposed to the whole 25 minutes of the whole game. And this was a little bit like the rulers of the time. There might have been something just a little bit wrong with you. And those people felt justified pushing you out of that system. But Jesus said, come unto me wasn't qualified. wasn't come unto me if you've got a sports car or you, know, you live in this particular part of the city or your gross income is more than a set amount for the year. He just said, come unto me. So I love this scripture in the Bible where it says, it suggests that we should not think more highly of ourselves than we should. Cause we're all imperfect we've all made mistakes we're all on a journey to becoming better or we should be we all need to learn and grow especially in grace towards one another the bible says that this is how people will know that we're disciples that we love one another that we show grace towards one another and we should deal like that with our relationships We shouldn't be using our privilege in those relationships to exert power or authority, to try and put something over our partner or our children. If you're a boss, you shouldn't be domineering over your, your staff on some sort of power trip. I'm not saying don't have any expectations so parents don't go home and go, oh, fair enough, kids, you don't have to do anything. Jeff said so. <laughs> Please, don't. <laughs> Please don't take that on board, kids. Don't expect that from your parents. What I'm saying is you've got to find a nice balance there. Learn to be gentle. Learn to be humble. Don't think of yourself more highly when you're dealing with another person. Don't put unrealistic expectations on it because it makes you feel better about yourself. You get better about yourself with you and God and that'll make your relationship a little bit better with that person. Don't expect them to have to foot the bill or, or, or take that on for you, to make you feel better about yourself. All right. So there are my three points from Matthew. So the first bit is around Jesus saying, come unto me. Find that person, whether it's Jesus or another individual, who's going to be able to give you rest. Jesus certainly can give you rest for your eternal soul. If you're here tonight and you don't really know what that means, you know, you can be struggling trying to understand whether you're good enough to get to heaven. You can put that to bed right today and know that it's not about how good you are. It's about the fact that Jesus came and he died on a cross and he took on your sin and he stood in the gap between you and God and made it right. So you don't have to worry whether you're good enough or not. You can just believe in Jesus and that's enough. In your relationships, right, sometimes you're going to have to swallow your pride and go to that individual and say, look, I'm struggling with this expectation you have of me. I'm trying hard, but it's just, it's weighing me down. It's a burden. and I can't do it. And maybe you need to negotiate something different to replace that by or maybe like point two, maybe you need, or that person needs to put that aside and take up something new. So that relationship can not only get through that, but it can actually grow and s- survive and thrive. So maybe that's point two. That, Like Jesus said, take my yoke on, but first put off your old one. Take on my new yoke. And lastly... Like Jesus said, learn from me. Use Jesus as an example. Husbands, find that scripture about what Jesus said about loving your wives. I didn't bring it up there, but it's in there. Do you remember what book it said on the No, he wasn't listening to me. That's all right. Hey, Second Peter. Second Peter. Basically says, husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church. So there's a pretty easy one for you parents learn to learn to parent like Jesus would have if he had been a a parent don't parent out of wrath and anger parent out of humility parent out of gentleness that's not to say you don't have to correct and discipline sometimes that's necessary but you don't have to live in that constant state. You don't have to set expectations that are so hard for your children to get to. That they come, become crushed under that weight of expectation. Can I just get the band to come up? So I'm not saying that we shouldn't have expectations. That's not practical. We as people look into the future and we wonder about what's going to happen in the future. The Bible actually tells us that hope and expectation and faith are all kind of intermingled together. So I'm not telling you not to have any expectations of your partner, of your children, of God, of of those situations. But I'm just asking you to Bring a little bit of correction into that sort of stuff. Maybe you need to let aside some of those expectations you have of God, of your partner, of your children, of your pastor, of your church, of your job. Because maybe they're not right. I did write down a thing here, but I completely missed it. I want to say it to you now. It's just as wrong to say, this is me, you need to love me how I am as it is to say I can't love you until you become this Right? you need to walk away from the, both of those extremes and accompany something a little bit more in the middle of that you can't just stand on one side and go I'm not going to change this is me you have to love me the way I am equally as you can't say I'm not going to love you until you change Jesus was I love you right now in fact I died 2,000 years ago before you were even on this earth. That's how much I loved you. Compare that to some of the things that we see in our own lives and our own relationships. And it just shows you how much we all have to go to be like Jesus on this earth. Nick, can I... Nick's up there. EJ, can you just come and move these out of the road? So I just wanted to give you an opportunity tonight. I'm not gonna ask you your deep and darker secrets, but if something has struck a bit of a chord with you tonight about maybe your your expectations, either you're the one creating the expectations or one living under the expectation. And you're finding it really difficult, it's a struggle, it's a burden. Just wanna say those words of Jesus. Come under him to take on his burden. Maybe you need to lay that down. Take up something of His nature so that you can learn, grow in gentleness, grow in humility so that relationship may go to a whole new level. So I want you to stand up. I'm just going to pray. The band's going to sing a song if you want to come down the front. You can come down the front, Mal and I, and and maybe Sandy will pray for you. And you can be done by 7.30 and go home, watch House Rules or whatever you watch. Dear Heavenly Father, as I prayed at the start, you want to release us from these burdens. You don't want us to live under this weighty expectation. You want us to live free not free from responsibility, or obligation, but just free of a life of that hard-pressed expectation that we have to do something to earn Your, your love or, or earn our way into heaven. We thank You, Jesus, that You died on the cross and You made a way for us. And we just pray that as we go about in our, our lives and we have our relationships, that you would teach us these things, how to set aside things which aren't really important for the betterment of that relationship and teach us how to go into these relationships with grace and humbleness and humility and to not abuse our power and privilege of those private relationships that we have so that we can truly demonstrate to the world out there that we have Christ's love in us that by dealing with them graciously and dealing with other people lovingly, that we can demonstrate God's love through our lives and through our relationships. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. So I'm just going to ask the band to sing this song. If you just want to come out, we'll quickly pray and then we'll release you. Thanks, Kate.
0: unleashed like a flood the battle belongs to our God as we cry out in worship that's why we can come to Him and because that cross it broke the burden of the law brought about grace and love and forgiveness instead of rule making and having to obey and, th- and we still have to obey <laughs> but on the night before he went to the cross he was having a dinner with his close disciples and he showed him something that was very significant but it was very simple at the same time there was a lot of power in it but again very simple And he just showed them the bread and he showed them the wine. He said, Men, take this bread and when you eat it, remember my body that I've given for you. Then he took the cup and he showed them the wine and he said, Drink of this. And when you do in future, Remember me and the blood that I've shed for you. So then we can bring our burdens to him because he's conquered death and sin, hasn't he? As we know what he was doing there, we now call it communion. But we do exactly the same thing. It might be in a different form, sort of a bit the same but different. Just that simple but powerful act that we do is just taking that, we use a little cracker biscuit, we use a little bit of juice, but we do it in remembrance of him, of what he's done for us, so that we can come to him with our burdens and have our load lifted. Amen. Let's stand together. Just as we continue to finish that, let's take a moment to ourselves and just think on what Jesus has done. He gave up all the rights of heaven. He gave up the rights as the Son of God. He gave up the rights of being one of the Godhead, one of the Trinity. To come and walk as a man. And he did that for us, that we might live and have abundant life and have eternal life. Oh, Father, we thank you that we can stand here this evening. We can hold these emblems and as simple as they are, we know how powerful they are. And we know what they represent. may we never forget what they represent, what they mean. I guess more than anything, they represent your love for mankind. And we praise you for that. We give you thank for the thanks for the bread that we remember the body of Jesus. We thank you for the the juice that we may remember, his blood that was shed for us, that makes us righteous before you. We give you praise and honour. In Jesus' name, amen. As the body of Christ, let's eat and drink in remembrance of our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, this evening might only be a few of us here, but what there is, we give you the glory. We give you the honour and we give you praise as best we can. We thank you that you're with us in all that we do and we commit our week before you. We thank you, Lord, that you go before us. We thank you for your Holy Spirit that's at each and every one of us. And we pray for opportunities that we might be able to show your love to someone or the people in our community this week we praise your holy name in jesus name amen thank you everyone have a great night